0: But no one cares about who gets what minutes. Everyone just wants to win. You know, at the end of the day, you want to raise the trophy. You want your class and you're on the banner. You don't really I mean playing time is playing time. That feels good for the ego and it's cool to participate, but like at the end of the day, like I just want to win. Welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Every week we'll be talking shop with lacrosse goalies, coaches, and special guests. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Now your host, Coach Damon Wilson.
1: oh uh, yeah yeah Ladies and gentlemen, goalies from around the world, welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Damon. This is the show 100% dedicated to the lacrosse goalie. And on this show, my job is to interview the best goalies in our sport and really find out what makes them so Great. What are the stories they can tell us? What are the mindsets that they have? Even what are the drills that they do, their day-to-day, that help them get to where they're at in their lacrosse goalie career? On the show this week, my guest is Michael Gianforcaro from Princeton. Princeton University, awesome season in 2023. An All-American coming out of Lincoln University University. Pennsylvania, the Culver Military Academy, uh, which we talk about a little bit, what it's like to go to a military academy for high school. He was the second team All-Ivy League selection, USA Lacrosse Magazine, honorable mention All-American, tops in the league, if not maybe second, yeah, second and save percentage, but still a phenomenal season. Uh, worked with Goalie Smith a ton, which we talk about quite a bit, what it's like to train with them, and what he learned with working with those guys. Awesome interview. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy my chat with Michael Gian Before we begin this episode, I want to read a word from our sponsor, and that is my own, Lax Goalie Rat Academy. If you're looking to level up your youth's lacrosse goalie game with the best coaches in this sport, the best training tools, and the best goalie community. That's what the Lax Goalie Rat Academy is all about. It's virtual training tools. It's going to give your young goalie the confidence to be great so they can go out there, play well, and make you that proud goalie mom or proud goalie dad. There's over 130 hours of content on different areas like drills, techniques the mental game, lacrosse IQ, offense, defense, how to how to play uh, one-on-one defense. There are stringing tutorials, and there's even sessions on <clears throat> how to coach goalies along with physical training. Everything you need to level up your use lacrosse goalie game from the best coaches out there, PLL, Athletes Unlimited Coaches, myself, Coach Damon Wilson. Put a ton of effort into this academy. I think it's an amazing training resource. You can join for just forty bucks a month, Netflix models. You come in forty bucks for your first month, stay as long as you want, cancel any time. We also do live coaching sessions, or I should say, I do live coaching sessions about once a month, so you can join those, ask me questions, or really just connect with any number of lacrosse goalie moms, dads, or youth goalies out there. To join, go to laxgolyrat.comslash camp, C A M P, slash C A M P camp, and you can get started for just 40 bucks for your very first month. Flaxgoalierat.com slash camp. Hope to see you there. Take care. Pleasure to welcome to the show, Princeton goalie, Michael Gianforcaro. Michael, how are we doing today? I'm
0: doing well. Thank you for having me on.
1: Absolutely, my man. Well, uh, congrats on a great season last season, but uh, I always like to start this podcast by uh, hearing the story of when you first jumped into goal. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, so it was probably when I was ten years old. I was playing for our local town team, and we. When you're ten years old, you don't have one goalie for the team, so we kind of went back and forth. Uh, Some guys taking some games, and I always I played every position except for goalie. So I really wanted to try playing goalie, and my coach was adamant that I wasn't able to play goalie, that I had to play midfield or something else. So eventually, after I persuaded him, he let me play. I went in. I remember it was so vividly. I went in. It was raining. I had my sweatpants on. I let in probably like 15 goals, played terrible, but I loved it. And when I made one of the few saves I made that day, I was just in love with the position. So that was when I was nine or 10. And then the next year and the year after I only played goalie from then
1: on. I love it. I love it. You got hooked right from the very beginning. What do you think it was about the goalie position that, that sort of hooked you right away?
0: To be honest, I remember watching, our goal is get scored on and thinking in my head, Oh, I could do that. I could save that. Hmm. And I ended up being wrong, which I feel like a lot (laughs) of players, it looks easier than it really is. I ended up getting humbled, but just the feeling of having someone stare you down and saving their shot, I think is addicting.
1: That's so interesting that you say that. Cause I remember I started out playing midi myself as well. And I remember that exact saying that exact thing in my head, like, Oh man, I could have saved no experience of goalie. Right. But just seeing like the shot from like a third party perspective and being like, Oh, I could save that. But when you're like seeing it point of view, it's, it's way different. (laughs) It's way different. Right.
0: Right. Humbling.
1: Humbling. Yeah, exactly. Um, and why was it that your coach didn't want you to play goalie? If you guys all rotate the positions, is it because you were the best player out there?
0: No, I was definitely not the best player. But I grew up playing all these sports, football. Um, I was running. I was on the track team. I ran all the time, so I was pretty fast when I was a younger kid. Mm. So my coach was like, "You're fast. You're one of the faster guys. You should be playing offense, defense across the field." It wasn't that he said you're not allowed to play goalie. Yeah. But he was like, you, "You play mini. Like that's what you do. You run a lot." And I just, he told me no, so it probably made me want to do it even more and eventually he let me and
1: I loved it. I love that. Now, do you still run a lot to this, to this day? Because one of the beauties of the lacrosse goalie position is that we actually don't have to run uh, as much as the other guys. We still got to do all the training, right? But I'm curious about, you know, sometimes people really love running and I'm curious uh, how your training looks running wise.
0: To be honest, I don't really do a ton of long distance running yeah. on my own really stick to our packet in the off season. And then at school, I do the running with the team, which is all sprint work. Um, I don't really love to run. Like I don't love to go run long distances. And frankly, I don't think it's particularly helpful for goalies. If you like doing that, I think keep doing it if you enjoy it. But if not, I don't, I don't really see a a big reason to do that or to go start doing it.
1: Yeah. That's what I say too. It's like, I'd much rather you go run like three miles than like eat Doritos on the couch. Right. <laughs> like, but, but like, if we're choosing between three mile runs and like hundred yard sprints, then like definitely the sprints are going to benefit you tremendously as a goalie for what we do. Right. That, that, that explosion muscle, like building those fast twitch muscles.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what I feel. Any kind of shuttle quick. I mean, if you look at how linemen their run test for an NFL or a college team looks very different from your wide receivers. Yeah. And I feel like in terms of how much linemen move each snap and goalies, it's kind of similar. Like we're kind of, I think we're definitely not the same size as linemen, but it's all of those like linemen DN, those five yard radius. I mean, we're not really moving past six like feet.
1: Yeah. Um, although the last goalie I interviewed for the podcast right before this one was six five two forty at his biggest, so some of them can be as <laughs> big as linemen.
0: <laughs> some definitely can. I would not myself of that. No, that
1: no, point. and and me neither, and me neither. So that is really interesting because a lot of people compare like goalies to linebackers because we have that kind of similar stance, right? Mm-hmm. But you're right in that the movement, like right off the whistle, like it is exactly the same as like an offensive lineman where, or defense line, the interior line, where you're just like, bam, that one quick explosive movement, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I, I never played interior line, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I, just watched, mean- I just watched the NFL. Right,
0: I could be completely wrong. I, I've not played either, but I think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head, right, when the ball gets down, it's just like quick, like one step in other direction to really read the, the guy or the ball.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, all right. So age 10, you're, you're, you come back the next season and you're like, I want to play goalie. Uh, do your parents then buy you like all the gear or how how does that work? So we had,
0: uh, like the the rec league would have a set of goalie pads and actually played because there was another kid who wanted to play goalie. I played half the game, long pole, half the game goalie. So my parents said, I think it's important that you have your own stick. So you don't have to keep using someone else's stick for goalie. Uh, so you can get used to throwing with it so i had my own stick but all the pads i used were teams and then i slowly built up so i got when i got a new helmet after a couple of years i put the throat card on the old helmet so now i had a stick and a helmet yeah. and then once the ball started getting faster my parents thought you should probably get better goalie gloves so i got real goalie gloves instead of player gloves uh, and then as i got older so that was all that was really like sixth grade seventh grade And seventh grade i only played gold i know that to be certain i only play goalie and then um by the time i was in eighth grade i was playing with much older guys so then i got all my own stuff and i was completely committed to only playing goalie
1: yeah that's a lot of parents who are getting started want to know about that i think that's i think you did it exactly the right way like that's the way i would recommend everyone like the most important thing is the stick um right and getting a well-strung stick that throws and and you can trust and so when you're going to spend that initial I Don't know called 150 200 bucks, like that's like the first investment I would make. Then the gloves, then like by item by item, just in case, like your young kid says, you know what, I'd rather play long pole or I'd rather do something else, right? Like, because you don't know if they're going to stick with it.
0: Um, absolutely. And- I think- go ahead. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. No, go ahead. Oh, exactly. It's imperative. I mean, any, any kind of practice, it's also a much different stick than a player stick, even a long pole. So, um anything that you can get the the kid to be able to practice with, I think is really important. And to be really honest, like the balls that move very fast when you're a young guy, so you can use the right. same stick for a whole season and never have any issues with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like when you get to the higher levels, you probably have to restring it. I mean, you probably go through a couple sticks per season minimum, but you know, when you're a youth, like you're not seeing as much, as much wear and tear on that, on that mesh, like it can last a long time if you take care of it. Uh, right. Yeah. Of course. Um, and then what about the cup? When did you upgrade the cup? Uh the cup was,
0: <laughs> I was a staple at that. Yeah. Uh, my dad, the first time I played the last, I always had my cup.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I started out with like one of those normal, um, like bikey, like bikey cups, you know, the um they're just like the bare minimum of cups. And like sure. I took a shot and like it still really hurt. And then not only that, like it deflected against my like inner thigh. So then you get like the groin shot and the thigh bruise. And then and then I looked at the, uh, the other goalie and he's got one of the ice hockey cups. And I'm like, man, that guy knows what he's doing.
0: <laughs> to all the young kids, I would recommend, and any goalie, I'd recommend going on Nutty Buddy, their website, and buying their cup. It is the best cup I've ever used. I would rather get hit there than hit my calf. So I would recommend we had uh, one of the goalies who I played with at Princeton, He took a bad shot one time and he asked me what I used. I told him he went and bought the cup the next day. Never had a problem since then. I think it is an absolute lifesaver.
1: I love the nutty buddy. I love the nutty buddy. They sent me a free one to use. They're great guys over there. Um, The owner, rest in peace, passed away. He took a 90 mile an hour fastball right to the junk from like five feet, six feet away. I'm like, if if he can do that, like that works for me. He got my trust. Right.
0: (laughs) That was a selling point for me too. Yeah. Oh
1: man. All right. Love it. Um, cool. So then at that young age, um, how did you go about learning how to make saves? It was attending camps, kind of learning from some club coaches, or what, what was it all about for you?
0: That's a good question. I remember I went to one headstrong lacrosse camp when I was in the summer after seventh grade. And so that would probably have been about a year, maybe, or a year and a half of playing goalie, and there's a, a goalie coach there, which I'd never had before. It's someone who really played goalie and knew what he was doing. And he gave me a few pointers, and we worked together, and that was kind of the foundation, but I spent a ton of my time on YouTube. so I don't know if it's still up there, but there's an old Trevor Tierney, it's like a six-video series, where he talks about positioning for one video, offside hip stays for one video. It goes all the way down, and he... I would watch those all the time and just do exactly Mm -hmm. what Trevor Tierney did. And that's where I learned how to play a lot of the style that I play is a lot, is based on that. And uh, I would watch college guys play and just study how they, what they did. And if you go on YouTube and look up lacrosse school, I mean, now I think that was in, and all, all that was happening in like 2010, 2011. So now there's, you know, way more camps, there's way more, uh, accessible videos. I mean, if you go on your YouTube, you can watch all these college goals cut up. I obviously didn't have when I was 10 years old. So I use a
1: lot. I love that uh, video series that Trevor put out. It's, it's incredible. Um, And it was like one of the first where like, you know, coaches who actually did that. like you said, now, like I've done that quite a bit, like a bunch of other coaches have gone out with cameras and kind of just, you know, taught the position and shared some thoughts and some ideas and drills and all this good stuff but that was one of the first ones I'd ever seen. And it was, it was tremendous. And what was really interesting for me is that it was a very um, different style than the way I, that I was taught. Right. So I was taught, like you step, you step at the at forward at the 45, right. And kind of attack the ball, Um, you know, your feet are shoulder width apart. And here's Trevor Tierney with that wide base feet, you know, feet almost on the goal line stepping lateral. And so and that was kind of the first, like, aha. Uh-huh. Like maybe there is more than one way to play his position. Cause guess what? Tierney is pretty gosh, darn good. Uh, but talk to me about that style. So, so that was the style then that you, uh, that you use sort of a wide base, uh flat arc step in lateral. Talk to me about that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's how I play now. So yeah. I he had a really wide, I just, I don't know if which one, if, if I, the wide base made me feel comfortable or I felt comfortable. So I did a wide base, but when I, play a lot of other sports football basketball if I were squat in the weight room I like standing pretty wide so I just felt really comfortable with that base I liked his three-step arc he plays and how he kind of rotates around the middle of the goal I like how he stands back on the goal line he's one of the first guys to say you have you know not much more time but a little more time if you stand further back so Mm -hmm. you got to find that happen Um, and I've messed around with how far I come out I, I wouldn't say that there's one right way to play but I definitely got a lot of my of my style from him. And then I remember watching the World Games when Canada won in I want to say it was probably twenty twelve when mm-hmm. Dylan Ward had like a million saves. And I remember the was talking about a super watch stance, And I'm five eleven on a good day, and Dylan Ward's like six five. So what works well for him doesn't necessarily work for all guys that are my size, mm-hmm. but I remember go out in my backyard and emulating that style too, which he, he plays different arcs, but his stance is, is comparable. Um, and that's probably, those are two guys that I really base a lot of my positioning off of.
1: Love it. Love it. Yeah. I think that's like, I watch a lot of lacrosse, um which I love, I mean, I, you know, make a lot of these edits and I just love watching it. But one of the things that I see so much nowadays is like, yeah, you could be like, there's, you don't have to be one style arc goalie, right? You could be flat arc, but then when there's certain like plays and certain, and even Dylan Ward, who everyone calls like this high arc goalie, he's flat most of the time. And then he'll choose his times to like come out and challenge. Right. So you can be like, you could have this hybrid arc and have a lot of success or you can, st- or you get, I mean, I know goalies that stick to just the flat and have success as well. So more than one way to, to make saves. Right.
0: 100%. That's something that coach Madalena Princeton, who played professional goalie for, 10 plus years in MLL he preaches that there's sometimes when you want to be flat sometimes when you know that the shot's going to jump on you so you got to get out and beat it and yeah. just you
1: know just
0: messing around with it trying out different things and just everyone has their own style so figure out when you want to be out when you want to be back
1: Yeah I love it Love it love it Um was that the first uh seed of Princeton as well watching those uh Trevor Tierney videos the was that was that when the seed was planted or or <laughs>
0: Um I yeah, I I'd say so. I definitely didn't appreciate at the time who Trevor Tierney was and what his whole story was. Um I just thought that he was the goalie with the YouTube videos. And then as I got older, I realized that he was really the man and and whatever he was saying was probably the best way to follow it. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> now I idolized Trevor, I idolized Tyler Ferrito and Alex Hewitt and the guys that were studs back in the day, Scott match
1: Yeah. Um I sent you that that clip I made of Batch, right? The video. Yeah, yeah. I love All right. It. All right. Yeah. Oh, I love, love that. It, yeah. He's he's such a great story. I mean, he's a uh amazing goalie. Um, which by the way, like no one could play his style nowadays. It's so have you have you seen like he's like almost like straight up and down and like holding the stick in just such a, a weird way that that you would see nowadays, like the games change quite a bit. Um, but anyways, a great storyteller, great guy. Mm-hmm absolutely um all right so then talk to me a little bit about uh high school lacrosse so it says you went to like the culver military academy um was that like a lacrosse decision or or just that was kind of the school that you wanted to go to
0: no that was was a lacrosse decision so the story behind that was i went to a school it was a small private school in delaware so i live in pennsylvania right on the pa delaware line um but so I grew up playing in Pennsylvania with, for the great club team or town team, I guess, called the Avon Grove Wildcats, which they developed. I mean, there's so many college cross players that come out of that program. So I lived there. That's where I learned the cross. And then when I was in eighth grade, all of my mom's family, she has five brothers and she grew up in Delaware. And there's a small private school called Tower Hill in Delaware. And if you know, the only school everyone knows in Delaware is called Slazianum or Sally's and Tower Hill is like down the block. It's like, Sally's little brother, basically. And when we played Sally's, we got beat by 10 goals, and they always killed us. But anyway, my mom's family, my older brother, my old sister went to Tower Hill. So when I was in eighth grade, I decided to go there too. They all went for high school. Um, I went a year early. So in eighth grade, I played on the varsity team um, with all the high school kids. And our team was really good for Delaware. We ended up playing playing Sally's when I was in eighth grade. Uh, The game was... I think 12 2 or 12 4 with probably eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Lightning, now it was the uh, state semifinals. Lightning called our game with 12 4. Uh, that was all that was all we had. Uh, we got beat pretty bad. And then I played at Tower Hill my freshman, sophomore year. And I planned on staying there through senior year because my whole family went there. That was just what I was going to do. That's where I was going to go to school. Yeah. Uh, and then sophomore year in, and Culver recruits kids kind of like colleges do. To like to get him the fall, and then you come the next spring, or, the, or sorry, the following, the next fall. Um, they had a goalie lined up, and he decided not to come for one reason or another. I'm not really sure. Uh, so they called me in April. It was like the middle of April. I was in my season. I was just a sophomore in high school. Um, and they said, hey, do you want to come to Culver? And I didn't know what Culver was. I actually thought Culver was Calvert Hall in Maryland. And so being, being from PA, I was like, all right, Maryland, like I could, I can swing that. And so I started Googling Culver and see what it was. And it was in Indiana, which was shocking. And it was a military school, which I also didn't really know what a military school was. And I, I learned when I got there that I was, I was unsure, but, um, so they called me and said, do you want to come play for us? I looked it up. It was in 2017. They had just won the national championship and crowned the number one team in the country. So, I went from being on a team that we competed for the Delaware state championship. And usually we didn't get past the semifinals to now a team calling me out the opportunity to be on the best team in the country. So obviously I I jumped on that. Um, It was a big decision because I live in Pennsylvania. I went to school 12 hours away. Uh, My parents went through a lot to send me there, which I really appreciate. And that was kind of just it literally from the time they first emailed me until the day that I decided so the day I visited, accept, got accepted into the school and decided to go there was like six weeks. And wow. then I that was and I moved in, in August.
1: Yeah. Wow. Interesting. And so is, is it like a boarding school? Like you live there and then maybe like come home no. on the weekends type of, type of thing?
0: Yeah. So it's a boarding school. It's 92% of kids are boarders. 8% of them are day students because okay. it's in a very rural North Indiana town. So yeah. just not a lot of kids live there. Um, But the vast majority of kids were boarding students. And I mean, it was in in North Indiana. So if we had a two-day break by the time I got home, it was basically Saturday or Sunday. So I didn't really.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned like I didn't know what a military academy was until I got there. I have an idea in my head of what it might be. But maybe you could just talk about like kind of what are some of the things you learned?
0: Uh, Absolutely. So for anyone who would love more information, if anyone's watching, uh, there's the Undrummer Undeniable video that they go through like a whole week of Culver. And that was my actually my first year there, my software, they did this. And if you type in Culver lacrosse Under Armour, it'll come up um, with a great video. Um, Basically, what our day looked like was we woke up. You had to be awake by 730, but if you woke up by 730, you were kind of behind the eight ball a little bit on the timing schedule. So wake up a little earlier, shower, get your uniform on. We all wore mail uniforms, clean your room, make your bed, you go out, march to breakfast, eat breakfast. This is all from 7:30 to 7:50, 8 o'clock. By 8 o'clock, you're back in your room. You get your room inspected by another student. Go to class. While at 8:30, while you're in class at 8:30, you have a someone who's actually in the military, like an adult, come and really inspect your room, make sure it's clean. Uh, you go to school till 3:30. Then you go to practice, and then if you're new, it's your first year. At night, you have to come back and you get your uniform inspected to make sure your uniform you were wearing it right if once you were no longer new you'd have to do that um and then on wednesdays and sundays and thursday nights we had to march around a lot
1: yeah 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 that's kind of to me like what i think in my head is a lot of structure right like a lot of uh you gotta be you gotta be here at this time do this at this time like you know my dad was in the army and it was like very i mean he would talk to me tell me stories about you know the inspections and it's like you know the bed's not made and it's it's physical physical uh training right um right i don't know right, what kind, no. of, kind of punishments they do
0: uh, no, like no nothing nothing crazy and i will say for it it sounds a lot a lot more serious than it actually is uh to the people that actually in the military or go to west point or Navy yeah, or yeah. the academy um we are high school safe. kids <laughs> yeah we're, we're yeah, we just happen to go to a school that has a military structure.
1: Yeah, and then so and the lacrosse program. I mean, you had mentioned they won the state championship before, so you come in to a pretty good team, I imagine. How was that? You know, for you, it could be tough coming into a new team in general. But now here, here you come. You know, Pennsylvania kid coming from out of town, uh, last minute call up. You know, how how was it for you joining that team?
0: Uh, it was it was tough, but not unmanageable. I mean, they were the best team in the country. They were national champs, and I came up with a lot of kids who were really, really talented. Guys on my team were Owen Hiltz, Syracuse, great attackman, was in my grade. Um, Pam Shved at Hopkins. We had Mike Robertson at also or at Delaware. Alex like we just had it was D one D one D every kid from top mm-hmm. to bottom um so practice was run like a d1 program you had to be there on time you had you had to be ready to go there was no room for you know i'm not having a good day so i'm gonna mail it in Uh, and it made you grow up really fast yeah as much as it did for you from the school our coach coach posner uh love to death great guy a father figure to many me especially he demanded that too so uh it was difficult but if you threw yourself into it like i did you just try to keep going every day and get a little bit better. And it's honestly, if you treat the way I treated the high school is the way I treated college and it prepared me unbelievably well.
1: Yeah. Love it. And talk to me about the growth of your, of your goalie game. Was it at Culver where, where, um, I mean, you really kind of shot up in skill, would you say?
0: Yeah, I was, so I actually was, when I was a sophomore at Tower Hill in Delaware, this was before the nine one rule. Yeah. So 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, I could be getting recruited. And I wasn't at all. I had, I think, one offer from one school. And other than that, no schools were calling me I was, I was not a superstar goalie. And then I went to Culver and I repeated. And the grade that I repeated into was a grade that was affected by 9-1. So once I repeated, I did my sophomore year again. And now I went from being uh, in a grade... The 2019 high school class, where there were like 15 committed goalies, to now I repeated to the 2020 class where there were only two committed goalies. Mm-hmm. So I had much more options to a place to go. Uh, and then I also had a whole season to prepare and play as a sophomore, unable to be recruited, to really grow before I could get any kind of attention from coaches. And that was when my game really took off because I, like I mentioned before, I was going after. I mean, every single guy on our team went d one. So. Every single rep, I had a future All-American trying as hard as he could to score on me. Right. So, you know, you let in a lot of goals. You don't make a lot of saves. You're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. But eventually, you save one, you save two, you save three, and then you can kind of get better. And when you go out and play against guys that aren't as good, it was like, it's like swinging uh, with a weighted baseball bat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if all you do is that, when you go out to the game, and it's not the team, but not as good as us, it's all a little easier and that's when you can really grow especially when you go and play with guys at your age again and you're not a sophomore playing with seniors you're a sophomore playing with sophomores
1: right yeah i mean if you're like you know i don't know a sixth or seventh grader and you go like see some high school shots when you go back to seeing those sixth and seventh grade shots like they don't seem as fast right you're like man i'm all over these like it's it's amazing how that works how your body just sort of adapts to that speed because at first like it's It's fast. And I'm sure when you made the jump to college and 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 when guys talk about making jump to the pros, like it just everything's moving fast, right? Um, and then you get used to it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's just you gotta just immerse yourself in that environment. And by the time you go back, it's like young kids playing up. You just put everything you have into it, let yourself kind of be put in your place. And then when you go back, you'll you'll be a little better.
1: Yeah. And in terms of your recruiting process, then was like I imagine because there's so many talented kids on your team, like a lot of coaches are watching your games and you guys go, you know, pretty far and playing some meaningful games. They're watching your games. Did you um, have to do like the traditional, you know, I make all these videos and send all these emails to all these coaches, like a lot of kids talk about, or, or were a lot of coaches kind of coming to you at that point?
0: So before I went, Culver and I was in Delaware yes I sent I had my highlight tapes I had one for every season fall winter spring and I'd send out emails email after email after email all the time following up didn't have much luck Uh, and then when I went to Culver because we played on a national scale um, a lot of coaches would come to our games and then in the spring or sorry the summer we played in two high school tournaments so high school teams would play other high school teams and it was Mm -hmm. a summer ball so it wasn't you know, real spring, but it was always had a uh, always had a ton of coaches there. They always watch us play, and they'd come to our games because of where I went to high school. And I probably had a similar experience. A lot of guys that play in the MIAA or some of the elite DC or Long Island schools, like when you look at those guys, like they're pretty fortunate because they go to these elite schools, so the coaches come to them. Right. And then when nine comes, um, it helps that your current high school coach just sent three guys to whatever school and has a great rapport with that coach so on nine one when he wants to talk to you you know he can he has a good relationship and can lean on your high school coach to know you a little better um and my high school coach again coach poser he played a big role in my recruiting post nine one when i was able to be contacted
1: yeah talk to me about that um what was it you know about princeton that really really caught your eye
0: so i mean the the education is Obviously the biggest selling point. It's been yeah. year ranked of number one undergraduate university in America. So, you know, that you're gonna graduate with a great degree, which is awesome. But there are other schools that are that have the name has the same amount of weight. So um, you know, there's a lot of pick from, but Coach Mads, or, or Coach Madeline, our head coach, always speaks about the guys in the locker room and how that's a big selling point. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was to me. So I had a couple schools that I wanted to go to or thought about going to. I looked around, met some people. And when I came to Princeton, I felt like it was pretty special. The guys went out of their way to take care of me, be really nice to me. And I also saw how they all interacted with each other. Everyone was really mature, really thoughtful, um, very, very intelligent. And I thought that if I could get myself into that locker room, hopefully that rubs off on me and I can be like one of those guys. And yeah. ultimately that was, that was my decision was, I just wanted to go to a place um, where I could have these people challenge me all the time.
1: Yeah. Love it. Uh, well, you're just, you're coming off a, 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 great season. Congrats on that. All honorable, honorable mention, all American, um, you know, right at the top of the leaderboard nearly and say percentage, just a, a tremendous season. So congrats on that. Uh, but Thank I, I, I want to talk about that because at the beginning, you know, you, you weren't the, the, the pure starter, right? Uh, you were, you were splitting time. Um, and a lot yeah. of youngsters that, you know, play club ball, that can be, that can be pretty common. Uh, you got two, two goalies on your club team. Uh, you play the first half. I play the second half. Talk to me about about splitting time. Cause there are some challenges that, you know, some innate challenges that come with it, right?
0: Splitting time is tough because you're always comparing yourself to the guy who's playing time with. You think that if you have a tough half, tough game, um, if you let in a couple of goals, like, oh, maybe if he was in, he would have saved those, and our team would have won, because yeah. I put a couple games and lost a couple of games, and I felt like, man, maybe I'm, maybe maybe my team would be better off if I wasn't playing the, this, the half, you know, so then yeah. you kind of have to wear some of that weight, um, and it's tough, because in my position, the other goalie, Griffin Rackauer, who's now do Duke, is like one of my absolute best friends, so and there's just an innate competition, eventually one of you is probably going to play the other one probably play it's kind of binary when it comes to playing goalie right tough. Um, so i mean i would say we had we had an unbelievable relationship and when he played well i was happy for him when i played well he was happy for me there was not like any kind of jealousy or um, like past aggressiveness or pettiness which is really helpful because then you can both grow and be better and push yourself and push each other and that was the big thing. Like we push each other every single day of practice. Yeah. If I had a bad day in class or whatever, and I wasn't feeling it, I knew that if he came out and made a hundred saves, my spot might be gone and vice versa. So we were always pushing each other like one more rep, one more rep, one more rep to get better. Um, which ultimately makes you both better. And I know it's a cliche, like competition makes everyone better. Iron show iron. Um, but it's, like, very, very true. because It just forces you to really put a lot of attention to it. Um, and at the end of the day, like, your team's better off because if both of you try right. as hard as you can, I mean, one person will probably win. And then your team hasn't, as a goalie who just put months and months of preparation instead of rolling the balls out and just hoping to make a couple saves come game day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, and it, you're right. It's a tough dynamic, right? Because ultimately, you're a competitive dude. We're all competitive people uh, and you want that starting spot, but at the same time, like, I think what you're saying is like, you want the team to win more, you know, and you're going to do anything you can to be a great teammate. You know, even if that means rooting on the other guy, if he, if he ends up getting, if he ends up beating you out. Right.
0: Of course. I mean, my sophomore year, Eric Peters is our starting goalie senior. We went to the final four lost to Maryland who ended up being undefeated national champs. And I didn't play one meaningful minute that entire year. And we went to the final four and that was like one of the best years of my life. I mean, I was, it's every in that environment. And I was there in my Jersey with my helmet on, like that was everything.
1: Yeah. And
0: I didn't play at all. So last year we had a really good year. We thought we, in the, in the beginning of the year, we thought we could be really great. We had these expectations. And I mean, play or not, like I can name every national championship that Princeton won. I can name the year that they won. But I can't tell you who every single player was. I can't tell you how many minutes everyone got, but no one cares about who gets what minutes. Everyone just wants to win. You know, at the end of the day, you want to raise the trophy. You want your class and you're on the banner. You don't really, I mean, playing time is playing time that feels good for the ego and it's cool to participate. But like at the end of the day, like I just want to win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. And ironically, like, you know, trying to be that guy and like trying to be the starter is like, you know, you're doing both, right? You're rooting on the team in in the best way possible and being the best teammate, but you're also working your butt off to be the starter. Let's not be, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. You're trying your, your darndest to make sure that you're the guy, right?
0: 100%. You mean, I obviously didn't want to be on the bench.
1: Sure. But Um, I I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Like, you know, the, even though that you guys went to the, you guys went to the final four, you didn't haven't play any meaningful minutes. But you practice with the team the entire year. Like the games represent like a such a small fraction of when you're with the guys. So, um, I mean, I would argue you are playing meaningful minutes, right? Like in in practice. Right. Yeah. Uh, love it. I know uh, you've trained pretty extensively with with uh, with Goalie Smith. Uh, talk to me. Talk to me about that. When did that start? Because um, I love those guys. They're, I mean, best in the business when it comes to training i mean they've trained like you know the who's who of of the elite college goalies and even now guys in the pros too but uh talk to me about training with those guys
0: so when i was a sophomore junior in high school they came out with this video called shot stopper which is like a 45 minute long video of basically how to play goalie yeah and i followed them on instagram and they would always post these little clips of and now they post more they're actually starting to post more like instructional videos here and there, which I love because I think they do a great job with that. But yeah. back then, it was just here's what we think you should do if you play goalie, basically. So I followed the account. I used to look at all the stuff. Um, and I DM'd them and I was like, hey, I saw your shots every video. Just I asked some questions about it before I bought it. And they were like, oh, you, you play Culver. And I said, yeah. I said, oh, well, when you're home, why don't you come work with us? And this was back when they would, I mean, now they have these big camps a while the guys come and people and they're sold out every single time. Um, this was back when they had like three goalies would come to the ECD headquarters and shoot on their turf that they had. And it was like two shooters, three goalies. And that was it. Cause they didn't really have, their brain was still like very small. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came over the summer. And it was the summer after my junior year. I remember I went to go work with them first and I loved it. I mean, they had, they're very passionate. They're very committed. Um, they know a ton about playing goalie i mm-hmm. andrew and mike of osden um Gilly, drake porter i mean meg meg was the best goalie to ever play goalie she won the tour so I'm like no one wins the tour a tour right. time play goalie right
1: um
0: so the staff is unbelievable and i, I bounce ideas off andrew i talked to andrew probably once a week Bounce ideas off him um yeah so i started working out with them after i was junior in high school and their product is unbelievable their sale is that they're in baltimore so ev- the best shooters always come like there was when they were still pretty small there was a period where i would go and get shot on with like four or five guys and logan was naskis would be the shooter all the time yeah logan i one of the best players to to be in the league right now um, right so they just i mean it's elite coaching guys that really know the position with elite shooters and where i'm from you can't really get that so it's not a very far drive i go to baltimore very often and you know them they're awesome. I love them. Can't say enough good things about them.
1: Yeah. Same here. Same here. They've participated in a lot of the uh, events that I've done and I always love their sessions, man. They, they're such great goalie minds. When you say uh, I bounce ideas off of him, if we could get a little insight into what, into what that looks like, is it like just little tweaks to your game? Is it more mental stuff? Like what, you know, what kind of ideas do you guys, do you guys chat about?
0: So as I get older, the ideas become a lot more nuanced. Yeah, because my less malleable now. When I was a younger guy, like I still had um, the flaws were more overarching than they are now. Now they're they're small flaws that can eat away you. Before it was like you're not standing right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. By the time yeah, you yeah. college, you kind of know how you're gonna stand. But um, uh, now what I talk about a lot is like like I mentioned, small nuanced things. So like I'm always like. I'm always, like, pretty insecure about the way I stand because I feel like, you know, I'm not a very big guy. I have a super wide base. Uh, I have a big five hole. Like, maybe I – and it's not the traditional way to teach someone to stand. Like, guys don't stand like I, like I do usually. So I texted Andrew the other day, and I was like, hey, Andrew, like, I know I'm beating a dead horse. It's like the 100th time I've asked you, but, like, should I change my stance? And he's like, <laughs> no. Like, like, you're 22. Like, just – make saves i'm like all right, all right you're right you're right but other yeah. times i'm like hey up the hash i'm getting beat on this side like what do you recommend and he's like all right like if you see this do this if you see that do that try out these three things and then go from there yeah um so it kind of it varies there are times where i come out and i'm like hey i need help with this and they're like no you don't you need help with this so then they we go back and forth and kind of go They, i mean they're they're awesome
1: yeah i love it that's interesting you say the way, the way you phrase that is like, you know, once you get to college, my game's not as malleable. Cause it's, you're right. Like it, it, when you're, when you're learning the position, you, there are like huge sort of flaws or, or, you know, like huge changes that a coach can like point out that like, you know, kind of take your game to the next level. And then, yeah, once you get to those upper levels, it is more nuanced. And a lot of it is mental too. You know, it sounds like, it sounds like, you know, every once in a while goalie just needs that, like, dude, you got it. Like, <laughs> Quit, quit worrying
0: man your stance is great right yeah that's uh something we work on a lot is it's it's nice to have someone that can put you in your place when you need it but also build you up when you need it yeah um and mike gavazin talks a ton about the mental side he is a real cerebral goalie He talked about in college like he was just lacrosse 24 7 and how that can eat away at you and he met with sports psychiatrists and they gave him tips about you know outlets to 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 get your mind off lacrosse and he is like probably when it comes to goalie coaches one of the most dialed in at playing at a really high level and being very in tune with what it takes and the pressure that is placed on you
1: yeah let's talk about the mental game uh a little bit if we could um because this is a very mentally taxing position you know and to have success you got to be you got to have mental toughness, right? You let in a couple goals and a lot of goalies, you know, just kind of spiral out of control or get into their own head or um, start thinking like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a good goalie. Uh, what do you do? Or when, when I, when I say mental toughness, what kind of like lessons come to mind for you?
0: Um, uh, that's a good question. I think, I mean, it's failure, so like short memory, like wipe it off, but I'm, like we had practice today, I can tell you probably every single goal that got scored on me, where it was in the field, who shot it, and where the ball went. I I just don't like forget those things. It's just so ingrained in me. I can go back and our last game we lost to Penn State, and I can actually walk you shot by shot, goal by goal, where they went, what happened, and I think about it when I close my eyes at night. Like it's like so ingrained. So the whole short memory thing, I just can't. I, that's not for me. You know, I I can't really subscribe to that. Um, But one thing, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim, folks across his brand. Tim does such a good job with the mental piece because, I mean, he's spot on. Like, playing goalie is not very hard when it comes to, like, physically playing goalie. A lot of goalies, what separates the good from the great is the mental side. You know, like, you look at these PLL goalies, these elite college goalies, like, they're not that different in terms of their ability to save hard shots or whatever. But, like, the ones who crumble and the ones that don't is kind of a big difference. Um, and he talks about just constantly reaffirming that you're okay and to stay present. So you're not focusing on your feet, your hands, the shot, et cetera. You're just focusing on find the ball. When it comes at you, just get in the way of the ball, save the ball, catch the ball, however mm-hmm. you want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he is spot on. Like those days where, and I think every goalie has this, this feeling where you look back on certain games where you just, it was like slow motion. The ball was yeah. glowing, you could hear it, like everything was just effortless. And you always want to tap into those games. And that's like that's what you're chasing to be like that all the time, you know? But those days, when you think about it, like you were never worried about how your stance was. You were never worried about you what arc you were playing. All you were worried about, when I think back and I like remember living those games, I can just see the ball and I can just feel myself go to it. Um and I was super present in those games. I was not thinking about anything except for just like literally the task at hand. And I think he does a great job highlighting that. And I think it sounds so yeah. simple, and, and it it's it's super fundamental, but it's not simple. You know what I mean? Like it's really hard to do, but yeah. it's it's really sorry. It's it's simple. It's not easy. It's probably a better way to say it. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so like tapping into what he he is says is great. Just like be present. Um, just let all the noise go and just find the ball and that's that's what I try to do every day.
1: I love that. How do you uh as somebody who then, you know, has such a great memory for all the goals given up? Or is that just like after the fact? Are you in game are you you give up a goal and you're like you have the ability to sort of move on and remain present or or when you do give up a goal is there like a specific process or routine that you go through to sort of come back and 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 get 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 to be present
0: um yeah so so in game as much as i wish i wasn't like this i can still tell you like if you pull me out in the second quarter i can tell you everything that just happened like i'm just yeah. i'm just, that's kind of how i work i don't know i like i'm i over everything is the highest scrutiny um so after i get scored on what i always do is i turn around i get the ball i squeeze as hard as i can and i just tell myself that like i get all the i, I get angry i get all the anger out I get all the anger out. In the the squeeze. Squeeze, yeah, but squeeze the ball. Something Brian Dockery talked. Brian was like, I get the ball. Be like, you know, Brian, you're terrible. You're terrible, whatever. Like, all this you can imagine. Squeeze the ball, and then once you're handed to the ref, like, it's over. Like, it's gone. So get it out. Get rid of it. um, And that's what I try to do. Like, I try. So I turn around. Get the ball out. You know, you're terrible. You're terrible, whatever. Which you're not supposed to say, but, like, whatever. Throw the ball to the ref, and then I turn around and look at the defense. I'm like, all right, usually – damage control right like how often in a college game can you actually look and diagnose one went wrong like very very seldom so i like to kind of like damage control like if it's a shot that i probably should have saved even if i maybe i should enough but like i thought the chance my fault move on like i got you guys on me it's not probably on me but like what are you gonna do say it's your fault like that doesn't help anyone you know so Uh, try to do quick damage control. If it is something like, hey, guys, the scout said that we're going to do this and we didn't just do that, then, like, quick reminder. But, like, the whole huddle up for a minute, I think, is pointless. So just, you know, everyone calm down. It's okay. Get it out. And then while I do the face-off, reset the ball, in my head, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what did I do wrong on that shot? And a lot of times, if I get scored on, what I did wrong is I never saw the ball. So if it's an in-tight goal, I'm like, you know what? Like, whatever. I'm not perfect, whatever. But it was anything from like six yards and out, I think in my head like, did I see the ball? And I can think of one super clear. There's a kid. His name I can't remember his name. His last name was Smith. He plays at Penn. It was an Ivy League championship. He caught it. They skipped it across him. We were uh, I think we were either we were either up, we were either up one or I think we were up two up one. I don't remember. But they skipped it across him, fourth quarter I think, and he shot it stick that high and I dropped and it rang off the pipe and went out and then they called it a goal. And I don't know if it wasn't not, but it was like an unbelievable shot as the ball went in. I was like, man, I dipped. I did all this, but like, they like, I never saw the ball, you know, like, and you can't see it if you don't save it. So, yeah. you know, that I dip, did, that I do whatever. Yeah. But like, you didn't see it. So next play, I see the ball and that's it.
1: Yeah. And when you say I never saw it, like you picked it up really late or literally like, you know, it was in the goal and, 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 and you never saw it.
0: Um, I mean, I think you, you got to read body language in the right position, but like, I mean, sometimes like a lot of these times you're playing college across the ball moves so fast that it can yeah. get skipped. catch it, release it. And he's releasing like a 90 to hundred mile an hour shot. So like, yeah. if right. you're really, really on it, you just, you didn't see it at all. Like I could have my eyes closed. Same thing would
1: happen. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Um, so you guys, you know, you have like, let's call it like an average season, right? I think you were like maybe seven and six or eight and six heading into the, into the Ivy league championship tournament. And there's gotta be a feeling of like, Hey, we got to win the tournament to keep on going. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about that. I mean, is, is that, you know, is that something you guys used? Did, I mean, how did you really rally the troops to, to go on such a nice run?
0: So we had, we have every day before practice, we stretch, bring up a circle, quick message from one of the captains, one of the seniors, and then go to practice. And for about excuse me, two weeks leading up to that game, the message was, look, if we lose, like, at-large bid is gone. Yeah. The year before, final four year, we didn't even make the Ivy tournament. We were in fifth place in the Ivy. We got an at-large bid as, like, one of the best teams. Like, we were top. We would have been, like, four or five. I don't remember. But, like, we had home games, you know. Cause we beat Georgetown, and that was a great win for us, and that got us an at-large bid. But like this year, that's not happening. So we brought up like, look, fellas, like at-large bid is over. Like, that's not our thing. Our our RPI is horrible. Like, so flush that. The only way that we can get in is if we win Ivy games. So even though we have two Ivy games left, if we lose this game, we're done. So we're playing playoff across right now. Like, no one's coming to help us. No, we're not. Like, no one's gonna come out and save it for us. Like. We need to go out and play right now because every game is, is playoff lacrosse right now. And we looked around and be like, look, like the best part of my day every day is lacrosse. And I have my best friends on the lacrosse team. I do everything with those guys. Like, that's it. And if we lose a game, that's over. You know, then you're going to take your final exams. You're going to go home and there's summer break for you. Uh, and we were just fighting every day to not let that happen. We just kept saying like another win is one more practice. We can be together because you only guaranteed certain practices. You win Saturday. Awesome. You now have five practices left and then you got to win again to get five more. So it was basically like, look, fellas, like if you love this, do you everything you have. If we lose games, we're done. So just embrace it, cherish it and play so we can keep playing together.
1: Oh man. I love that so much. That gets, that gets me pumped. <laughs> feel like, feel like getting out there and strapping, and strapping on playing some lacrosse right now um awesome well michael thank you so much for coming on the show uh sort of sharing your experiences um i think we hit it all huh any anything else any other stories you want to tell or, or things you feel like we missed
0: uh not that i could think of but i appreciate you having me on And i mean some great questions a lot of a lot of tough ones to think about
1: yeah i like it um what kind of stick setup do you use these days
0: so i use the ecd impact head i use a uh, semi-hard impact mesh i am using a SDX sci-tie i think it's an s shaft um, but the eclipse three just came out and i string my sticks so i got a great pattern in my impact that i really liked i'm working on finding a, a pattern in the eclipse three and seeing if i like that one better than the impact or not but so right now it's impact impact sci-tie it might be eclipse three hero mesh sci i don't know
1: yet yeah all right um, I got my, I love the impact It is, it is so light. I mean, my hand, I I have like a, uh, this is a string King 135 gram, like a shaft on here. And this thing feels like a feather. Like I feel so fast with this thing. I don't know if you, if you feel the same. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great head. All right. couple, couple impact fans, but what, well, I mean, the, the eclipse three is also a great head as well. So we'll, but I don't know. I haven't, um, I need, to, I need to play with it more and talk to more goalies who have used it. But you haven't, you haven't, have you been uh, playing with it yet or you just started?
0: No. So, our two uh, other goalies in the team, I strung up theirs yesterday. So, they both used it in practice today. So, I've like taken okay. some shots with it, felt um, it. It seems really, really stiff compared to other heads. They bulk up the scoop and uh, the sidewall. So, it seems like a lot of the shots that go off the top you stick and go in. Yeah. It seems like really reduce that um everything about it just seems like stiffer up top so i don't know yet but uh i'll let you know once i once i figure out a pattern if i ever like it
1: yeah yeah definitely keep me keep me posted now do you guys get you know as a as a d1 program do you get any equipment that you want or, or are you out of pocket to get some of these other heads that might not be a uh that your school doesn't i don't know like sponsored by or whatever the right term is yeah
0: so we're nike stx so anything okay. nike you get the mesh we have Uh, shrinking and ECD uh, I don't know deals I guess you call it so we get all the mesh the the heads we don't get for free if it's a non-Nike SDX unless you're a specialist so face off guys and goalies can use other brands Um, I'm pretty sure that we can use ECD as a goalie because ECD is not I don't know if they're looked at as a competitor the way that Warrior might be to SDX I see yeah so because I'm a specialist though, there's a lot of schools. Like I know um I know I don't think anyone uses STX at Notre Dame, but Eneman uses the SDX head. Um McDaniel yeah. used the head even though no one did. RuPaul uses ECD. Um somebody else I'm thinking about. I can't remember. But anyway, I know a lot of the specialists. Oh uh Nudes yeah, uses an unarmed head. So yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You get away with it.
0: Luckily, we're goalies get lucky. You get, you can get away with a lot of different stuff or gear wise.
1: I like it. I like it. What about the gloves? Do you know what gloves you use?
0: Yeah, so we're using the STX Cell Six. I think is the newest. Yeah. They have new Razor ones with the fingers that are look like player gloves. Yeah, we don't. Have that. We just have the old ones, which uh, I'm a big fan of. I think the thumb is very protective. Uh, I use cells when I was younger, and I've seen how far the thumb has come, and it's it's much better. Um, I, I don't cast my thumb like some goalies do. I'm trying it out. I'll see. But, um, yeah, I like that six with a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, I know a lot of goalies that do add like a little, you know, thumb splint or custom thing in there because it's tough. I mean, it's like, I don't feel like any lacrosse company for being honest has like completely mastered the thumb protection technology. I know you talk to any goalie, they'll have a story about, oh, I broke my thumb and those gloves, those suck. And I'm like, really? I think they're the best on the market.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was the one for the cast just because I like to hold my hand like right up in my stick, and so if you add an extra big piece, you can't really do that. But yeah. I'm gonna try it out. Yeah, yeah. You can't break your thumbs. It's a one shot, and you're out for weeks.
1: I know. So you're you're like right up here on the on the throat when uh, in your top hand in your top hand setup.
0: Yeah. So if you take your right thumb and you actually put it in the pocket right there yeah and then you like turn in your-
1: that in that little space right there
0: yeah so my head's slightly my knuckles are out yeah yeah I coach me lawrenceville shout out he uh taught me i do my stuff like that
1: yeah i like it and is that one of the things that some goalies have taught me as air or at least said is like then like the the low and away shots when you got to get that wrist rotation it kind of like impacts that but not not for you you've got you've got that down
0: so actually, the way that I hold it is, it's my head's kind of tilted. So you know, like usually, if you hold it like this, when you go down, you need to—it's called we always, I was was called breaking your wrist to turn yeah. the stick up. Right. When you have your thumb in there and it's already angled, you don't need to break your wrist; it's already angled, so you can just go straight underneath.
1: I got So you. it's less movement. Yeah. And do you find yourself then like going over the top a lot more as opposed to like coming underneath for off-stick shots? um
0: i would say i was taught in high school to go under a lot um i don't know i kind of i don't know i think i subscribe more to the trevor Tierney, like just step and punch yeah. and then and the, the goal does a good job of like when it comes to over or under if you just see the ball and you have a good body read at it your body's gonna pick one
1: yeah so yeah. i don't i
0: don't I don't have a great answer for over under, to be honest.
1: No, it's all good. It's all good. The more that I see kids, the more I do try and preach over, because I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of kids, like as soon as you come under, like the shoulders start, start to go this way, you know, they start to turn. And then you talk Mm -hmm. all about like, well, keep the shoulders, keep the shoulders uh, square. And, And you try and do all these things about keeping the shoulders square. But like when you go under, like your natural reaction is to do that. But if I go over the top, like, I don't have to fight against that, so I like going to the top. But I know there's more, more than one way. But but to your point, like top hand straight to the ball, kind of like solves all of those, right? Like you just you just go straight to it.
0: Mm-hmm. I was also taught that uh, if you if you the ball is going lower than you expect and you go over, you can kind of punch the hand down more and like get your body down and still save it. Yeah. But if the ball's higher than you thought and you're under, this save is really really hard to make.
1: It looks good, but it's really hard to make, right?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, so go for a little more.
1: Make the simple saves. Right. right, right. All right, Michael. Thank you so much for joining the show. Um, if you had to leave the goalies out there with the final piece of advice, what would that be? Um. Great question.
0: Uh, just if you want to play at the next level, whether it's middle school to high school, high school to college, college- which i don't really know anything about but um just do everything you can to learn the position play the position just absolutely dive into it with everything you have
1: all right my man good luck in the upcoming season
0: thank you very much i appreciate it
1: so there you have it hope you enjoyed that episode that was princeton goalie michael Gianforcaro. awesome to sit down and chat lacrosse goalie with him he's going to have another amazing season for those princeton tigers can he take them back to the promised land that's what we'll be waiting to see in 2024 going to be awesome to watch him suited up uh, for princeton hope you enjoyed that episode we'll be back next week with another episode in the meantime If you're looking for some lacrosse goalie training, I'm going to give you a personal invite to the Lax Goalie Rat Academy. It's my private training vault filled with, I think we're up to about 400 training videos on every aspect of the game. You've got the technical things like stance, positioning, arc play, moving on the arc, clearing. You've got the physical things like how do I train my body to be explosive and exercises and drills I can do there. You've got the mental game, training with sports psychologists and the best goalies in our sport about what they do to be mentally strong. So much amazing training inside the LAX Goalie Academy. It's only 40 bucks a month. So come on in for a month, consume, get all the training you need for your young goalie. It's going to make him or her, a much better goalie, a leader in the crease. I guarantee you that. Like I said, just 40 bucks a month. Insane deal. Laxgoldierat.com slash camp. Laxgoldierat.com slash camp. And I hope to see you on the inside. That'll do it for this week. As I mentioned, in the meantime, get out there, get some work in. Do well. Be well. Coach Damon. Take care. (laughs) you've been listening to the lax
0: goalie rat podcast with your host coach damon wilson